It's time for Dodger Hi everyone and welcome to the Dodging Sleep podcast. Uh, We are recording this on the 5th of June so as usual we're going to start with our On This Day in History, On This Day in Dodgers History. Uh, So back in 1977 uh, Dodgers and there's been a bit in the press recently actually about retiring jerseys but 1977 on this day uh, the Dodgers retired former manager Walter Alston's number of 24. Um, He compiled a record of 2,040 wins to 1,613 losses. So that's a 0.558 record, uh, seven pennants and four World Series during his 23 years in the dugout, being 55, 59, 63 and 65. And no, I wasn't born for any of them before somebody else on the pod comes in and makes that accusation. Um, Anyway, Thank you for joining us tonight. Well, uh, we've done the on this day, so now into the introduction. So, going around my screen, we've got Adam with us tonight. How are you doing, Adam? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Excellent. Good. Good. <laughs> and how about you, Ian? How are you doing? I'm doing really well, mate. I'm doing really well. I've had an extra day to recover than Adam, I think, on his uh, on his exertions this weekend. <laughs> and and as ever, doing all of the technical stuff. We've got Leon. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. Apart from uh, still sort of stewing over our awful predictions from last week. (laughs) Indeed, which teases up nicely for our review of the week. So we managed to get swept by the Pirates for the first time since 2000, including giving up two in the ninth in a 6-5 loss for the first of our three losses against them. Uh, started well against the Mets, winning the first two, including shutting them out, which is quite nice. I think they were the last the last MLB team to be shut out this season, so that's quite nice, uh, before losing the, the third. So there's, there's one more game left on that. So by my reckoning, we managed to win two games and lose four. And I think, I think on average, we were predicting either four or five wins this time last week. So it didn't quite go to plan. And we have at least had a, had a slight chat on our WhatsApp group since then about whether we should actually stop doing predictions because we seem to manage to screw things up most weeks but um ian what did you uh what did you make of the of the week we've just had i mean uh, it, it's interesting because i think we're clearly the, the the best team in baseball except when we're playing pittsburgh um who have absolutely wiped the floor with us this season um it's uh it's it's frankly bizarre i can't put my finger on uh, on what on what goes on when we when we play the pirates, it just goes uh, incredibly wrong. Um, we, I'm sure we'll touch on this a little bit later on. We've obviously got probably two of our pitchers uh, who we mentioned last week who perhaps aren't doing the job that we all expected them to do at the start of it. But then equally, we've got two pitchers who we definitely mentioned last week who are performing way above and beyond all expectations going into the season. So. Um, for me, I wasn't remotely surprised when we turned it on against the against the Mets in the first two games, um, and then obviously we struggled last night when our uh, when the ace of our staff returned to the mound. Um, so it's very hard to get a handle on what to expect from 
from from one night to another. It just seems like we're um, we're not quite clicking, but we're still doing enough to win most games. Yeah, I mean, we're still what three games ahead, I think, at the moment. Um, I mean, my I suppose one one positive I would take away just looking at the standings at the moment is that Pittsburgh are. 23 and 28, so 0.451. They're eight games back against what's not the tough, necessarily the toughest division, but they have got the Brewers in it. So they're eight games back against the Brewers. I don't think it's going out on too much of a limb to say, I think we possibly won't meet them in the postseason. Um, so if we are going to have a have a jinx team, let's at least have somebody who we probably won't meet in October. Um, Adam, what was your what was your take on the takeaways on the on the week we just had? Uh, yeah, it's a point in week. Uh, but I mean, I think there's a case of the Pirates just played out of their skin against us. Uh, some of their fielding was incredible. I think in the, um, the last game, they threw out Chris Taylor, who's a pretty good base runner most of the time. Uh, and then they threw out, I think, was it Lux at home from the outfield in one of the games? Yeah. 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 And it was plays like that nine times out of ten go your way they just didn't drop I think it was just Pirates just turned it on with the big boys in the division they've gone yeah let's do it yeah I wonder if we hadn't given up two in the ninth in that first game to turn a winning position into a, into a loss I, I wonder whether we would have then just gone on and and not only won the series, but possibly even swept them. But momentum and confidence as we all know is a, is a big thing in this game um, Leon what, what, what did you think? Uh, I think just mirroring what Adam said, I think we have to give the Pirates credit um, on this series and the series in Pittsburgh. You said they they just outplayed us um, multiple times. They were the better team throughout both series. Um, there was some dodgy base running uh, the last couple of games that we played against them. Um, it kind of it, it, at no point was I confident that we'd win those two games. We always seemed to be sort of trailing or struggling, you know, for, for, for the last certainly the last two games of the series. Um, there's a few questionable decisions from the bench as well but one thing which I'm not happy with this season is the the use of challenges um, we seem to be challenging some really odd or making some really odd challenges um, stuff which is you know quite clearly out or a player is quite clearly not out so that's, we seem to have slipped a little bit in that department um, other than that yeah it just, it just wasn't a good series um, I think we probably went into it a little bit too too cocky I guess um, that's perhaps us and, and the team. Um, and we sort of learned a tough lesson. And as I say, credit to Pittsburgh who, who outplayed us. Yeah, you're right. And I think we, we also learned about just our predictions and all the rest of it. Because I know last week when we were talking about some of the things that were positive, I know I mentioned the fact that, that Dave Roberts didn't seem to have had too much grief on Twitter. And yeah, there's some dodgy challenges and we'll come on to position players pitching. Um, I know I also mentioned that I thought our base running had been good. And as, as Adam said, it's not been great in the last week. Um, one that we did talk about, though, and, and, and Ian, you've already alluded to this in terms of the pitching. We, we mentioned Bueller and whether he was a dark horse, as it were, for somebody who's actually struggling. Um, and, and certainly some of the stats this week, if you strip out his complete game, I think his, his ERA is actually not not great. And Last night, what he did two and a third innings, so the shortest start of his of his big league career. Um, five earned runs, five hits, two home runs. He he was he was big enough to to step up and face into it at the press conference, which I always think is a, a good sign for a player who, who will at least accept that things aren't going right and they need to work it through rather than just trying to 
to hide from it all, which I thought was a was a, a real sign of maturity and honesty, which which you got to respect. But um, and also, I know we've talked about it before this in about class and form, and I think it's a class act, and we'll 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 get it back. He's just going through a bit of a blip at the moment. But um, Leon, any any concerns for him for the sort of the longer term? Um, I think I mean I was reading something. He's changed his arm slot potentially. Um, I think he's working through mechanical things at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a worry in that his ERA is higher than it should be. Uh, I think, as I mentioned last week, though, his, his, his actual win-loss record is, is still pretty good, which is now 6-2. and two. Um, so, You know, the majority of the time, we've got enough offence to, to carry him through. Um, last night, we didn't quite have enough. Um, so it was an off night, off night for, for most last night. Um, so it's, it's a little... If it goes on much longer, it's going to be a concern. Um, as, as you say, so he's... He's been big enough to say, you know, to say he's struggling a little bit and he needs to get better. Um, and I think, given the quality of the staff within the organisation, I think he'll line it out soon. Or I'm hoping he'll line it out soon. They'll be able to pick up what the issues are um, and and hopefully get them corrected. Yeah, and I think with hopefully with with Kershaw now back fully rehabbing and hopefully get him back on the mound sooner rather than later, it gives us the option to to give somebody a rest if they need it. Um, Ian, you mentioned some of the some of the other pitchers sort of stepping up in a way that we perhaps didn't expect them. Um, any anything more you wanted to add on on those in terms of of highlights of people like Anderson and the way where they're playing? I mean, Tyler Anderson is. Uh, I mean, he's he's. I think we said all the words last week. I've run out of superlatives. It's not often I can't think of things to say about somebody, but um, right now I think he's performing like the best pitcher in baseball. You know, he's he's playing phenomenally. I, I don't doubt that um, it won't continue for the whole season. And I think, you know, he's as much as Bueller might be struggling with a few things right now, I think he's riding a wave of momentum, which is which is keeping him going. Um, I really hope he can keep the success. Uh, they can keep the keep the success going, but I would imagine that sometime uh, around or about just afterwards, the the All Star break probably start to, to to filter out a little bit. But equally, he's been out of this world to this point. I I, I think he's got the longest scoreless streak still um, in terms of innings uh, uh, going uh, so far this season. I think he's up up around 20, 24, 25, something like that now, uh, which is uh, 26 apparently um, which is which is a superb uh, <laughs> a superb feat which I'm sure he never in his wildest dreams thought he would be making at any point in his career never mind uh, ne- never mind right now um, so yeah absolutely superb and Tony Gonsolin um, I mean everyone loves him right you can see how much the clubhouse love him you can see uh, you can see how hard he works. You can see how committed he is to his craft. The fans love him, how he engages with them on social media. And all, And it's great to see him put things together um, at a time where if we had a fully fit starting rotation, I don't think the Catman's getting a look in. Um, but right now he is making it really, really hard uh, for them to, to pull him out of that rotation when the other guys come back and, and start getting fit. So two guys... Absolutely blowing everybody away, working really hard, figuring a few things out, mixing in new pitches. I mean, I can't say any more than that. That they've just been fantastic this season. Yeah, absolutely, really stepping up. Adam, what do what are your thoughts on the pitching? Yeah, same as Ian, really. Um, Gonsolin and Anderson just 
playing out of the skin at the minute. It's great to see. Um, Bueller is concerning me. Uh, last night, he seemed to lose his, his breaking ball, which has pretty much carried him this season so far. When he's not got your fastball, that's dangerous, dangerous game to, to be in. Uh, I can sort of see him dropping on the IL as soon as Heaney or Kirsch hit the full roster, I think. I think could be a bit of uh, burnout in there and he just needs to lay off that arm for, for a couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah, I, I like you. I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the IL as soon as some of the others come back, even if, even if it's just a short-term break and kind of put some ice on it, put your feet up and rest up for a bit. Um, one of the other things that came out of the, the specifically on pitching, but slightly from left field, um, was was last night's game and the uh, the attempt to bring uh, Zach McKinstry in to the mound um, when we were trailing by five and headed into the ninth. And we got stopped. And it, apparently it's a new rule. It was announced back in 2020, but then it got suspended for two years. So it's only actually been introduced this year, the rule in terms of you can't have a position player pitching um, unless you're losing by six. Um, so we got caught out on that last night. Um, he says provocatively, if you want to bring a position player into p- to pitch, why not just allow a team to forfeit the game? Because effectively that's what you're doing. Oh, I saw a roll of uh, roll of eyes there from Leon. So I'm going to go straight to you. That's a that's an incredible show, to be honest. Um, wow, um, I don't know what to say to respond to that, um, but it's it's a very good show. Um, I know Doc's had a lot of criticism last night. I, th- I think 99 percent of people that watch baseball probably didn't know that rule existed. Um, so it was a little error uh, on his part, which he's come out and again held his hands up to. Um, Someone also made the point, why can't we just put a pitcher in, walk the first guy, then balking across and just keep walking around until you've got the six run lead and then stick McKinstry in. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see that as a particularly bad thing. Um, if a team is 25 runs behind um, and you reach sort of the top of the ninth and you've burnt, you, at that point, if, you, if you're that far behind, you're going to burn through a lot of arms in your, in your bullpen. Um, and in certainly seasons like this where there was a sort of restricted spring training. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's potentially not a bad shout. Obviously, you want a, a bit more than a five-run lead uh, or five-run deficit uh, for for the option of a forfeit. And obviously, there'd need to be sort of the stipulations. It needs to be after seventh and eighth or ninth innings. But um, yeah, that's I, I quite like that shout. I'm, I'm sort of fairly on board with that. Well, it's, it's, it's just the thought that if you're doing it to protect people and stop people getting injured and all the rest of it, and and, and I can see Ian's waving his hand, but but one question that I don't know if any of any of you guys know, otherwise it can be out to the to our Twitter audience. Has the team ever come back to win when they were so far behind they put a position player into pitch and it all suddenly picked up for them? But but Ian, you you're waving your hand, so let's 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 come to you next. Those who can't see, which is everyone listening to this podcast, makes it sound like I was some maniac diving to come in. I literally gestured once. Um, Just to say, it isn't only when teams are behind that they bring in position players. We all remember, uh, hopefully we all remember, uh, the fantastic moment from a few weeks ago when Albert Pujols came into pitch for the Cardinals, making his pitching debut at 42 years old. Were the Cardinals getting hammered in that game? They were not. They ended up winning that game 15 to 6. Now, they didn't bring in Albert Pujols to shore things up. They they brought him in because I, I imagine they were probably winning 15-2 or something. Um, but there is something about the theatre um, uh, of, of bringing in a position player. There used to be a fantastic Twitter account 
uh, that used to be position player pitching alert. I think it's gone a bit quiet now because it is happening more often than it used to. And it's because obviously managers are being really careful with arms, uh, all that uh, all, all that management and, and uh, arm care that people are looking at these days that perhaps they didn't look at 10 years ago. So you do see position players coming into pitch on a more frequent basis. But I, I just, you know, it isn't just when teams are behind. So a, a forfeit wouldn't be the right way um, uh, to look at that. Uh, you know, if, if teams are in a position where they are going to give up uh, on, on, on playing, then okay. But the other team shouldn't be denied the opportunity to pile a few runs on. There's a certain level of etiquette in terms of base stealing and things like that, uh, that, that, that teams stop doing in blowout situations. Um, but but I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be a fan of the, uh, of the forfeit. And now I can see Leon waiting frantically like a maniac, waiting to come in on this. So. <laughs> it was just to point out, there was once, I remember a game, um, which is probably where this rule has come from, where the Rockies, um, their position players on the mound for 4.2 innings once against the Rockies, um, which is probably a bit too much. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. I know it was a complete blowout. Um, they were down 13 runs, just looking at it now. Um, but they had uh, Discalso and Alex Avila pitch 4.2 innings, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the Dodgers have put, you know, position players on the man where we, we've been winning as well. I think Russell Martin did it uh, a while back. Um, did, I'm not sure if Hans Alberto has done it a couple of times this season. I think he's done it when we were winning earlier in the season, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, as, as you say, there is the, the nice theatre aspect of it. Um, teams generally don't really come back and... And, and win those sort of games, um, but yes, yeah, an, an interesting debate which we'll uh, we'll take to Twitter as well. One of the things that Dave Roberts was saying in the post-game conference as well was that Justin Turner pitched last year when they were when they were in a deficit of five runs. Um, so it's only because the rule has, has picked mm. has kicked in. And you know, watching the game, uh, no one had a clue what was happening. No one knew that rule. No, no, no. no. You know, you know, everyone was like, well, they've, they've announced Zach McKinstry is going to pitch, but they're they're waiting for a decision on something. Maybe Zach McKinstry isn't ready. And it was all this kind of uh, discussion. And then obviously they, they had to give the, uh, they had to give um, the uh, Evan, was it Evan Phillips? Um, it's it a chance came to warm up. Yeah. Yeah. They had to give him, I think they did, in the end, they gave him unlimited amounts of, of pitches to get warm, to get warmed up and, uh, and come in. But uh, yeah, all very weird. But now, the rule is out there. It just swapped yeah. that the Dodgers were the ones that slipped up. Absolutely. Adam, any of your thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, I sort of understand the rule. I just think you should be able to pitch who you want, when you want, really. it's If you want to save your bullpen because you don't think you're going to win a game, I think you should sort of be allowed. I think a constraint of, like, I think Leon says, not four innings worth, but I think anything in the eighth or the ninth, I think I should be all right, even if... If you'll fall down, you don't think you're going to win it. I think you should be allowed to do that, really. I think it's, it's just worth pointing out as well. I know baseball is sort of a very labour-intensive sport where they play 30 games in 31 days. Hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. a hell of a lot of work. Again, coming off a short spring spring season, uh, sorry, spring training. So, again, I, I, you know, I think it's, it's only being criticised because he got it slightly wrong in terms of the amount of runs we were behind. Yeah. And I guess final point on this, I just would like to sort of have dibs on it if it ever happens. So, so, so you've heard it here first. It will be the Ian Carlson 
position player pitching forfeit rule whenever it is finally introduced by MLB. So you've heard it here first. Like it's um, a nice snappy name. There we go. Rolls off the tongue. It would at least help with the desire to make games a bit shorter if they could forfeit at some point. But anyway, um, right. Next on the pod, the start of what is going to be a new recurring item as we pick our dream team, our dream Dodgers team. Um, now, we're not going kind of right back to year dot with this because that would feel a little bit silly. And all we would end up doing is Googling players for the last 100 plus years and picking anybody in the Hall of Fame, probably. Um, so we're going to do it from 2010 onwards. Um, we're starting tonight with... Um, with first base, we'll cover obviously all of the all of the positions and pitching and everything. Um, there'll be stuff on Twitter for you to give us your thoughts. But as I say, tonight we're going to start with with uh, first base, and the other three guys are all going to um, give us their thoughts on who should make the team. So we'll start. Who's got the biggest? Leon's got the biggest grin. It appears at the moment. We're going to we're going to start with Leon. Who would you, who would you like to um, nominate? for first baseman for our Dodgers dream team from 2010 so, onwards. In conjunction with a fr- friend of the podcast, which we can now use, um, friend of the podcast, Tom O'Gorman, I'm going to uh, nominate uh, James Loney. Um, one, he shares my birthday, so he's, he's clearly a great guy. Um, <laughs> he shares uh, James with me, which is my middle name. You can't spell Loney without Leon. Um, so that's more than <laughs> enough reason to, uh, to vote him as the greatest first baseman of all time. Not just Dodgers. Every team. Um, so Loney was with the Dodgers for part of uh, six seasons, um, and he amassed a total of 872 regular season hits, which is a good good total. Uh, that includes 71 home runs. Uh, and his biggest moment for us uh, was a grand slam in the postseason against the Cubs uh, in 2008 uh, in the NLDS. Um, that was uh, <laughs> since uh, since. Um, sort of put in the shadows by Kike Hernandez um, and his infamous uh, Grand Slam in the NLCS, which took us to the World Series in 2017. But yeah, my nomination um, is James Loney. Thank you. Adam, who are you going to go for? I'm going to go for the obvious shout, Mr. Adrian Gonzalez. Um, He sort of arrived the first time I started watching the Dodgers fully. Uh, 2012, um, the beginning of the Guggenheim era. He was one of the first big signings, uh, him and Hanley, Hanley Ramirez. Um, the same day he joined, he got his first home run. Big three-run bomb against the Marlins. And then from there on out, for his six years, he was just the model of consistency. Uh, he finished with 100, 101 home runs. Uh, which pretty much led the team between 2012 and 2017. Uh, he was an all-star in 2015. He won a gold glove and a silver slugger in 2014. Uh, there's only five other Dodgers to have done that. So it's a pretty elite list. He joins Dusty Baker, Russell Martin, Matt Kemp, Belly and Mookie. That's a pretty good list to be on. He, he, ref- he received MVP votes in three of his seasons in L.A., um, he, he averaged 280 during his time in LA. Yeah, he was pretty good. Uh, I mean, he had big moments in the postseason. Um, he's in an elite club of Dodgers who've hit multiple three home run games with Duke Snyder and Sean Green. And then Corey Seager joined that list at a later date. So 
he's he's up there. He's done all the big things you want any player to do. Um, and what better way to end your career with the Dodgers than hit another home run? He starts with a home run, finishes with a home run. Excellent, thank you, Ian. I think you're playing cleaner. Who, who would you like to who would you like to pick from what's left, or are you you're going to give us a cover of, of a few of them? Well, I mean, before I get on to that, I just need to discredit some of this argument that I've already heard. So, you know, we're starting in 2010. Leon's immediately referencing 2008 um, for, for James Loney. And you know what? If you include, if you, if you decided to go back a little bit further, then the James Loney debate becomes a, a becomes a real genuine, uh, real genuine one. Um, uh, his, his best year with the Dodgers was his rookie year in 2007, uh, where somehow he managed to hit 331 and still finished sixth in the rookie in, in the rookie of the year voting. So I don't know who else was rookie uh, was was in that vote in that year, but that's a ridiculous statistic that he wasn't that close to rookie of the year having having hit that number. But unfortunately, James Loney's best years as the Dodger were pre 2010. Um, Aegon, sure, you know what? He had some good years, absolutely. But his best years were not as a Dodger. Uh, he had a career high in hits in 2011 with Boston. He had a career high in home runs with 40 of San Diego Padres in 2009. The only, uh, the only career highs that he achieved in Dodger Blue um, were uh, RBIs and, bizarrely, sacrifice flies. They, were, they came in the same year. Um, so I guess I'm going on the, on the offensive a bit. Uh, in, in terms of trying to, uh, to, to discredit uh, some, of, some of the guys there. But that's because those two guys are the front runners. And these guys I'm going to mention now are just people who've also played first base. Now, the obvious one not being mentioned so far is Max Muncy. Random question for you, Ian, without looking it up. What batting average do you think Max Muncy has as a Dodger? Have a guess. I'm talking batting average. Now, you see, you've uttered the, the, the immortal words without looking it up as I go to my normal big list of data, which I'm now not allowed to look at. Um, I'm going to say 2829. Can I have a go? Can I have a go? I reckon. Uh, uh, have you just looked it up? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't looked it up, but I think it's going to be probably about 235. Right, it's uh, Adam. Do you care to offer a guess? I'd have guessed about two fifty. Right, so uh, Leon's really, really close. It's two thirty-eight. Right, so it is perhaps a lot lower than um, many people, including myself, when I was doing the research for this. Um, definitely me. They <laughs> uh, uh, thought it was going to be um, where his where his where his strengths come in is in walks and in and in home in home runs. Um, so he's had four years as the starting uh, first baseman for the Dodgers, starting in uh, 2018, uh, and then basically being the everyday first baseman aside from injuries uh, through until the end of last season when we brought in uh, Freddie Freeman, who is not a part of this discussion yet. But I think we can all agree if he carries on the way he started out for the next few years, if we have this discussion again, um, let's say in 2030, he might well be top of the pile. We'll, we'll just have to see about that. But Max Muncy. So 238 batting average on base percentage of 367, which is a massive leap. That just shows how much he walks and a slugging percentage of 500. So add those together and you get the OPS of 867. That's where his value comes in. That's why he's been so important. He's probably defensively of the three 
uh, of the three front runners, uh, Aegon and James Loney, he probably he probably is third on that list. Um, he worked he's worked really hard uh, on his on his defense over the years, but he's uh, but he's probably not going to be as good as as the other two uh, in that sense. Um, he was an all-star uh, in 2019 and 2021. Um, and he's been in the top 15 for the MVP votes on three occasions in his career. So Max Muncy is definitely worthy of consideration, but perhaps not the high flyer other people think he might be. Uh, and the other people I'm going to mention, it seemed like when uh, Adrian Gonzalez was on the way out, it seemed like Cody Bellinger was going to settle into first base uh, and potentially be there for the next 15 years. Um, obviously, he's gone on to become a gold glove, silver slugger winning outfielder. Um, and he won the MVP <laughs> again, playing in, uh, he's played in right field in, in 2019. It was the pre-Bets era. And obviously, he won Rookie of the Year in 2017. A lot of that was, was, was split between uh, first base and the outfield. Um, but ultimately, he's not a full-time first baseman. So you're probably not going to get too many votes for, for, Cody, Bellinger, uh, for Cody Bellinger on this one. Um, it's, it would be an interesting experiment, I think, to, uh, and I think Bellinger will probably end up at first base later in his career um, if he gets a few more injuries and a few more knocks. I think it will allow him to put on a bit of weight, a bit of muscle, and really focus on the uh, on, on the hitting side of things. But right now, he's not a first baseman. Um, and then the other people I'll mention with no added uh, detail, Scott Van Slyke and Matt Beatty have played there. They don't get any votes either. Um, but the by far the worst person to play first base is Jock Peterson, um, who was uh, equally awful and hilarious. Uh, you know, there, there, there was there was there was nothing good to come out of that experiment. I understand why it was tried. Uh, there is, as someone who spent most of his playing career playing first base, a common misconception that anyone can play first base. At major league level, that's it's it's simply not true. And Jock Peterson was there to demonstrate that with a gusto to everyone who saw him play there. Indeed, he got like a uh, competition winner, didn't he? <laughs> if I remember <laughs> rightly, it was just it's just awful. Uh, but it makes me laugh every single time I think about it. Yeah, I mean, he may, maybe you should stick to fantasy football. Um, I mean, the the um the the, the, the I guess that the only for me the only positive about about Jock playing there is it. You know, because he'd never played there before at any level of baseball, is they said the team said we need somebody to try it out and help us out, and he stuck his hand up. And and for me, anybody who's prepared to give something a go on for for the benefit of the team, even if it then makes them look a bit silly, always gets a thumbs up from me because it's putting the team first and um and yourself second, which is I think how it should always be for a team sport. But having said that, six errors in 149 innings at first base, and. Uh, yeah, it's not great, but um, I think um, I, I, I don't know how we do this, um, uh, how we're going to vote on this, but I, I get the sense that um, Adrian Gonzalez is going to is going to going to walk this one. Um, do I see any shaking heads on the screen? Uh, so we have our unanimous um, first pick on the Dodgers dream team from 2010 onwards. Um I suspect some of the other positions may get a little bit more lively as we work through, but love to hear what um, hear your thoughts on Twitter and you know get in touch and let, let us know. Uh, next week we will be doing second base, so again, love to hear your thoughts on on who might be the likely candidates for that. 
And that now brings us to our preview of the week ahead, which I'm almost tempted to just say, let's just not bother doing this anymore, or or let's just let's just all pick that we're going to get swept by everybody for the rest of the season, and we'll we'll probably do okay. But um, we've got the final game against the Mets uh, tonight, which is a UK friendly time. It starts in about half an hour, so ten past nine. Uh, we've got Arias on the mound there. Then we finally get a day off before uh, we've got three at the White Sox, including the final one of those three, which is 10 past seven UK time. And the White Sox are currently 24 and 27, so 0.471 record, five games back, and they've only won three of the last 10. And we should have, I think, if I've done my figures correct, we'll have White and then Gonsolin on the mound for those, possibly. Um, then we've got three at the Giants. And again, the final one of the three is at a UK friendly time. So that's it five past nine they are currently 28 24 so they're over 500 um, but they've split their last 10 five and five and are um six and a half games back from i forget the name whichever team it is who's currently winning in their division um so by my reckoning that is seven games in total so ian ian Ian, that's a mixture of Ian and Leon. There we go, mixing you together. Um, Ian, what's what's your thoughts from those uh, those seven games? We're gonna win four of them, <laughs> and that's as uh, much I, as we're gonna get from you, I suspect. After 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 last week's absolute abomination of getting uh, everything wrong, I mean, I, I can't do any worse than Adam did last week in terms of saying, "Oh, I hate making predictions; I'm always wrong." But we're gonna sweep the Pirates. Um, so, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I fancy us to to to, to win to win. Um, I fancy us to 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 to, to, to win win the win the White Sox series two one, um, and then, um, and, and then yeah, we're going to win four. That's that's all I really have. Adam. Oh, that big build-up uh, and intro from Ian. I've been scared of doing this all week. Uh, I've been drinking every day to build up the course to make some predictions. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I'm the same as Ian. I think, I think four wins, two, yeah, I think, yeah, two against the White Sox, two against San Francisco. Leon, I'm not going to make a prediction. Um, and I'm sticking to that. I'm a very superstitious guy. Um, and I felt, felt the other night against the Pirates, if I turn this game off, they're going to win it. So I switched the game off. Um, admittedly, it was about sort of five o'clock in the morning at that stage. But yeah, I'm, I'm just superstitious. If I'm not wearing the right kind of socks or if I'm wearing the socks and we get blown out, the socks won't be worn again for a while. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to make a prediction. We're just going to play some baseball this week. That's about it. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go for five. I think we're going to bounce back tonight against the Mets. I think we're going to win the White Sox 2-1. <clears throat> so that gets us to 3-1. To and one. And then I think we're going to win two of those three against the Giants. So I'm going to go for five. I am fairly certain the seven o'clock game, we will get beaten because we are always awful. Um, like nice, friendly times for us to watch. So... Yeah, we'll we'll have like two hits and get beat five nothing, something like that as well. Happened in that game. We'll have won the first two in that series though, so we're already you've got my two one, so we can afford to, to lose that one. That's fine. <laughs> um, right, you heard heard it here first, folks. Anyway, we are going to I think the phrase was play some baseball this week. 
who'd have thought it from a from a baseball podcast about a baseball team but there we go um right we're going to do uh, we've pretty well come to the end of this week's pod so we're, we're going to do our usual sort of aob go around the room so adam anything anything from you um no uh, yes actually i did i just want to say I, I really like the um the new city connect hat that they wore last night it's different from last season um and was and i am probably going to buy it at some point if, if if it's on sale i'm not sure if it is but if you're into the hats i really like that hat last night yeah they're awesome so they, they don't look bad some of the teams look i think really good some look pretty atrocious i think i'm somewhere in the middle of the road with the with, with the dodgers uniforms i think the actual um, uniform is a bit disappointing but i just really like last night's hat just change the pants don't wear blue <laughs> pants and it'd be, it'd be perfect <laughs> I like the blue pants. I just, that's the bit I quite like about it. The actual jersey, I'm yeah, not that keen on, but I quite like the blue pants and the hat. I, I, I can see from the from the shaking head, Ian's not a fan of the uh, of the blue pants. Any any other business from you, Ian? Uh, yeah, just to obviously, uh, I'm, any Dodgers fan will know that Gil Hodges was inducted into the uh, into, into the Hall of Fame this week. Um, absolutely fantastic, long overdue. Um, I think a lot of people don't realise that, unfortunately, you know, he, he died really young. He died about, I think he was 47 years old in the late 70s. Uh, so it's been a long time coming for, for his induction and I'm delighted that he's got in there. Uh, the other thing that that's done is that it's, uh, his number was retired at Dodger Stadium last night and it's reignited a lot of debate about uh, Fernando Valenzuela, um, about whether uh, his number should be retired Um at Dodger Stadium, obviously he's a non-Hall of Famer, and vast majority of of, of uh, numbers retired at, at Dodger Stadium, albeit not all of them. Uh, there is one, uh, there is one standout, and I think it might have been Walter Olson, but I could be wrong. Um, uh, he was not in the Hall of Fame. Um, so uh, Fernando Valenzuela, uh, for those who who, uh, who who don't know, he he really sort of changed the fan base of the Dodgers. Um, he, he brought a, a whole new audience to, to watching Dodger baseball and was absolutely iconic uh, in, in, those, in those early years of his career um, uh, with some phenomenal uh, performances on the mound. Uh, and I think it, uh, it, it's a great to see the debate happening again. And it's certainly a case that I could get behind as a, as a, as a Dodgers fan. Yeah, I think that's going to run and run. And, and yeah, what, um, Walter Olsen did make it into the Hall of Fame. He made it in as a manager. Um, but question for our t- Twitter listeners who who has had their jersey retired um, but isn't in the Hall of Fame for the Dodgers um, Leon I think that just leaves you um, I think you've got something quite important to share with everybody in terms of your, your final point we have um, now in conjunction with uh, MLB Europe um, we've been given a pair of tickets to give away to the uh, Home Run X at Crystal Palace uh, which is uh, next month um, it's uh, Dodgers are being represented by uh, a gentleman who we spoke about extensively on this podcast, uh, Mr. Adrian Gonzalez. Um, it's very simple to enter. All you need to do is uh, retweet, uh, follow, and tell us who your favourite Dodger player is. Um, so if you haven't already done that, head over to uh, our uh, Twitter account at Dodgers in the UK and uh, and drop an entry in, and, uh, and hopefully we can give uh, one of our listeners a, a pair of uh, tickets to home run Derby X. Excellent. Yeah. Get looking on Twitter, everybody. And and good luck. Um, well, I don't have anything. So uh, that is it for this week's podcast. Um, hopefully the predictions are all pretty good, if not on the low side. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll 
see you next time. All the best. Cheers. Bye.